When Jesus had spoken to the apostles as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him from their sight. While they were looking intently at the sky as he was going, suddenly two men dressed in white garments stood beside them. They said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing there looking at the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will return in the same way as you have seen him going into heaven. Lord Jesus Christ, give us the grace to understand a little bit deeper this mystery of the ascension. Send us your Holy Spirit so that we can understand what reason alone cannot grasp, but what you want to reveal to us so that we can live as the apostles lived and go out into the world as the disciples did. So Lord, send your Holy Spirit, open our hearts. We're here ready to receive your word. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear friends, I would like to share with you a few um, thoughts on the Ascension, which is one of those feasts that is not necessarily easy to understand. We have now kind of understood, assimilated Easter, and 40 days have passed. 40 days is a symbolic number, but in that case it's really 40 days. Uh, and in 10 days it's Pentecost, 50 days. Um, so after 40 days Jesus leaves the apostles, and he leaves them in a very strange way, in a very particular way. He could have just disappeared, but he actually rises. He is lifted up. And from the very beginning, it's very important for us to understand that there is a sign, there is an, a significance in that. And the fact of being uh, raised up means that we have to look up and that we have to uh, realize that this is a new place. It's a new home. It's, it's the definitive place of our journey. We are not made to remain here, to put our tents and forever stay here, establish our life here on earth and try to look for everything here, but we're actually made for the eternity with the Creator. And while we're here on earth, we're supposed to learn how to love, learn how to serve, and learn how to share this with others. So Jesus spent 40 days with the apostles and with his disciples, 40 days of friendship, of joy, of intimacy, of the burning heart, 40, 40 days of learning to follow Christ without seeing him because he's different. He's kind of playing hide and seek. He's appearing under different uh, appearances as a gardener, as a fisherman, as, a, as a, you know, somebody who just walks with them on the road. Um, it's interesting and, and they don't realize. And even now as he is ready to uh, depart into heaven, some of the disciples, as the reading of the Acts of Apostles says, were actually doubting. So that means they saw him and they were still doubting. Uh, that means when they see him, it's not evident, it's not obvious that it's him. That's very important for us because he is actually preparing us by preparing the apostles and the disciples so as to get used to living with him without seeing him. Okay, that's very important. He's living, he's going to be with us through the sacraments, through community, through prayer, uh, through the Word of God, through act of charity. These are the typical ways of being with us um, in the future. 
So um, now he, he lives these 40 days with the apostles and it must have been a very beautiful time because they lived it full of joy and then they leave from there full of joy because they realize this Jesus whom they had abandoned will not suffer anymore uh, and he will be with them, although he's leaving. So what does that mean for us? Let us try to, to dive a little bit into this mystery. Jesus raises up to heaven, ascension, he ascends, no difference to assumption, uh, assumere in Latin, Mary is taken up into heaven, Jesus ascends, yeah? ascendere in Latin, it means he goes up on his own, so to say. But where is he actually going? Like, is he going far away? Is heaven up there, as we sometimes say? Is heaven far away? If you think, I always think heaven is really close because if you think, like when you lose, and I'm sure you've made the experience, when you lose a key or your glasses or your telephone or something important for you, what do you do? You ask St. Anthony, right? You ask St. Anthony uh, to help you to find it. And then if you don't find it, what do you say? Okay, St. Anthony, so I promise you to pray a rosie. Bam, you find it immediately. Many times it's a question of seconds and you find it and you have probably already found it, or maybe you have people who told you about it, I have many people who told me about it, that they have been looking in certain places and it definitely was not there. And then they open that same bag or they open that same drawer and, they, and there it is, as if nothing had happened. But what does that mean? That means the thing is gone and then the thing is there. That means St. Anthony, who is in heaven, if I call him, well, if you can put it back up, I don't know how this works, right? But I mean, if you can sort of say put it back, that means heaven can't be very far away. Okay? That means be around us, and I think we are surrounded by heaven. I think we're surrounded by heaven. It's a little bit like, you know, in um, um, well, in one of those movies, uh, Harry Potter, obviously, um, they they uh, so as to go into that place in that country, into that history uh, moment, they, they walk through, um, through a wall at a, at a train station or, or in Narnia they walk through a cupboard and they get into another country which is just right behind the cupboard, so to say, so it surrounds them. Uh, and and the, same, the same reality here, heaven is not far away. So um, what does that mean? That means um, He's going up there because uh, something up there is needed or we need to be up there, so to say. Um, when man had uh, lost the inhabitation of God because of original sin, um, that place in us that was meant to be inhabited by God was, was empty, so to say. So uh, God had created man so as to be inhabited by God, and so that we could uh, be a place where God's love in the world continues. Now, um, since through original sin, this, this natural inhabitation of God had, had been lost, because man turned away from God, um, the whole history of, of the Bible is God trying to reconnect, right? So, um, so we can say on the Feast of the Annunciation, when Mary says yes to God through the angel Gabriel, who comes and announces to her that she will be mother, uh, in that moment God becomes man. It's the incarnation in a, in a very small way. And you can sort of say, um, think that in that moment God is introduced 
into man. Okay, so divinity is reintroduced into humanity. Okay, so to say divinity descends from heaven and touches humanity. When you think what, what divides us are our bodies, but what unites us is our humanity. That's a philosophical uh, reality. So humanity gives us the possibility of communicating one with the other. We can't communicate with dogs. We can, but not completely. We can't communicate with trees or with plants a little bit, but not really. But we can communicate with other humans because we are from the same species. Okay, so humanity, divinity descends into humanity and something in humanity is deeply touched and deeply healed. Okay, so that's the incarnation, 25th of March, we celebrate that. Whilst in the ascension, we celebrate, so to say, the opposite. Humanity is introduced into divinity. That means Jesus is the first man who joins heaven, who goes to heaven and who enters into the Trinity. So when Jesus left, so to say, the Trinity, he obviously never left it because he always remained united to the Father and to the Spirit. But when he, so to say, for us, goes down and enters into time, um, he becomes like us so that we can become like him. When he goes back up again, he has become like us and he will forever remain like us. And as one of us, he enters into divinity, into the Trinity. That means from that moment on, something of me is in the Trinity. Something of man is inside of God. And that means when you cry, when you laugh, when you pray, when you are desperate, when you are tired, when you're joyful, this actually touches divinity. In divinity, that plays a role. When you pray, for example, in heaven there is a silence. I always imagine when a, when a kid, when a young person, a young adult, a youth, a family prays, in heaven they say, shh, shh, listen. And heaven turns down, bends down to earth and listens so as to take up our words. So Trinity is now touched by humanity and forever humanity is introduced into divinity. Um, so when Jesus uh, goes down, uh, comes down to us, uh, and when he goes up again, he's not the same. We can sort of say, imagine that when he comes down, he is uh, perfect, he is pure, he is uh, spotless, so to say. And, and um, he, he, so to say, comes down... Um, into us, right? Uh, I imagine, like, you can imagine an image uh, of, of a man um, with a huge, big, thick coat or, or cape uh, who walks into a lake, okay, in the evening. He walks into a lake and then he dives down until he's completely underwater. And then everything in him, so to say, especially this thick uh, cape, is, is sucked up with water, is, is filled up with water. And when he leaves the lake again, so to say, he is full of the lake, right? So, the, so you can say he, he takes part of the lake out of the lake with him, right? So when Jesus descends down uh, uh, to us, 
he kind of dives into us, so to say, into this sad and harsh and dirty and merciless place. Um, and like a sponge, um, takes, assumes everything into him. And while he's in the world, he, he gives from him, so to say, divinity, divine life, peace, love, forgiveness. Right? It's like a chemical reaction. He absorbs sin and he gives away divinity, peace, forgiveness, hope. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, so you can imagine uh, this man coming out of the lake with the lake in his coat, so to say. Jesus, when he goes up to heaven, so to say, he is full of us. Like when a person dies, a grandfather, a, a, you know, a friend, um, now we can say, like a person we really loved, we can say, well, this person now is gone, right? Well, yes and no, because all the love that you have given to that person is not gone, but it's actually partially in that person. Like when you have, imagine a mother or a father um, that has a three-year-old child, and the three-year-old child arrives uh, where dad is sitting with his newspaper. Um, in my time, they used to read newspapers, and I think they read on their mobile phone. Anyways... And the child uh, climbs up on his lap, uh, sits on the lap, puts away the newspaper and just leans back on daddy's chest. While the child sits there, uh, well, when the child goes down again, after two minutes maybe or three minutes, the child is not the same again and daddy is not the same anymore. The child is not the same anymore because the child has received love and given love and that is not the same any, anymore because he has given love and received love. So both have changed and both have, both have so to say, developed into a better version of themselves. Mm-hmm. That means uh, when, when a person dies, this person, a person that you loved, and this person actually goes up to God in a way filled also with you mm-hmm. and leaves in you the love that this person has given to you. Okay, that's important for us because sometimes we can have a hard time of, of handling the death of somebody. And rather, this person walks in front of, walks before God, and God actually sees this person coming, full of the person, the persons that have given love and um, that, that that love him or her. That means full of you, so to say. So when when Jesus comes up to heaven, so to say, he comes up to heaven full of us. Now, there's a, there's a theological concept that you've surely heard of already. It's the mystical body of Christ. That means Jesus, um, well, when he comes down to, a, to, to earth, uh, he, he is, so to say, alone. And then he decides, because he realizes we are too weak to, to manage on our own life, he, he decides to take us into him. That means we become part of his body. So like when you imagine like 150 fish forming like a big fish right so you can imagine jesus is like the head and 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 his body is all of us all of the christians for example just imagine something um and like each one of us is a cell with all the dna written inside of jesus right and there's a french saint jean eudes who says um we are we have the right to feel the head as our own being Jesus, um, and to attend from him, to expect from him all that a head, all that a body 
is allowed to expect from his head, which means everything. But, he says, uh, um, Jesus also wants that we, as his body, uh, that he can count on his body as a, as a head can count on his body. That means when, a, when the head says right hand, that it's not the left foot, but it's actually the right hand, which is not always that easy for us, right? So, Jesus rises to heaven, um, and he arrives. So, you can imagine it's like a birth, in a birth, what comes out first? It's not the foot. If it's the foot, it's bad news. It's not the hand, it's the head. And once the head is out, the birth is basically done. Because it's the biggest part, the most difficult part. Okay? So we can imagine like Jesus arriving to heaven and we can say, well, the most difficult part is done. He's there. And he is there, which means that try to imagine, try to imagine, try to feel part of his body. And try to really do that. Try to really feel that you're part of his body as your finger or your knee uh, or your foot or your leg or your arm is part of your body. You love every part of your body, even if you don't appreciate maybe the form or the shape or whatever, but, but you love your body and you take care of it. But Jesus loves his body and takes care of it. So try to you know, close your eyes, try to imagine, I'm a part of his body, actually. And so he feels me as part of him. How could he ever forget me? Like impossible. Impossible. Like I think this is so much more than we would dare to think. And, and in, in difficult moments, I think it's good to remember that. Um, okay, so he's up there. His head is up there. His body is down here. And his body is actually supposed to continue what he did when he was down here. So this is the mission he, he hands over to us. So basically, he entrusts us the world. And the, the prayer of today says the ascension of Jesus is already our victory. We are members of his body. He precedes us into the glory of the Father. And that's from there where we, where we, where we expect our hope. So because he's there already, we may hope. Because he's there already, nothing can happen to us. And you can see him arriving, so to say, in a triumphal march. Right? Uh, like Caesar coming back from a glorious uh, war, whatever. Well, Jesus comes back from a very glorious war, presenting uh, rescued humanity before the Father and saying, Daddy, we made it. We made it. Now, what is beautiful also is to think, you know, well, we're told that when we die, there's going to be judgment day, right? In some way, that might sound a bit spooky to us and say, oh, we're going to be judged. No, oh, he, somebody's going to tell me all my sins. And wow. Well, no. um, now, how about if the judge is at the same time your savior and at the same time your lawyer and at the same time your greatest friend, your greatest, greatest intimate friend that does not forget one single Our Father or Helen Mary that you've prayed in your life? that does not forget one moment when you looked at his mother Mary to say, Mary, I entrust to my heart. Okay? That's your judge. Not bad. So that's the kind of judge I want. And then I don't have to be afraid. Obviously, we don't have to be afraid of God the Father at all because he is one with the Son and with the Spirit. And Jesus says, who's seen me has seen the Father. Okay? Um, but I think he, he shows us 
himself, so to say, so that we understand who is the Father. And that, like in case we have doubts, we know that the one who's up there is Jesus. And Jesus, why he's up there, he, um, well, I always imagine him explaining to the Father who we are. And, 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 and why don't we mean bad what we do bad? Like we did that, but he says to the Father, yeah, but like you don't understand. Obviously, understands, right? But he can say you don't understand because you're not man. Like you, you can't understand. They want to do good, but then they fall, and that's just the way it is. You know, and that's the way the cookie crumbles. So, um, so it's beautiful to have him there and having him uh, telling the father who we are. So, now the question is, if he does that, why did he wait forty days for that? You know, and why didn't he go directly? So we said. He doesn't just disappear because he, he raises up, he rises up. Um, so we see, okay, it's up there. So it means we're not made for this place down here, which in a way would never be enough for us because like, the longer we live, the, well, the, yeah, the, the less we're able to be what we're really looking for. We're looking for something infinite and we can't find it here in the world. Not, not even the most happy couple in the world can find all that my heart is looking for in the other. It's impossible because my heart, my soul is made for something infinite uh, and the other one is not something infinite, as simple as that. Okay? So that can only be answered by God. Now, why 40 days? Mm-hmm. Well, 40 days because Jesus wanted to make sure that the most important and essential lessons are understood. And if you read uh, the, the readings that we read uh, since Easter until Pentecost, basically it goes through the Gospel of St. John and then very slowly and intensely uh, the, the readings of the Last Supper. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they're a bit complicated, but, but they're full of, of message, right? And then the apparitions and all of that. And, and in these, um, in these uh, weeks... Uh, we see that he repeats again and again and again and again five keystones, so to say, we have to know, uh, which I would say are the main, um, mm, the resume, the, the, the um, continue <laughs> of the good news. The good news. What is the good news? Well, Jesus is risen. Yeah, right. So what is the good news, actually? What is the good news? Because that's very important for us to know because St. Paul says we have to give, or St. Peter, we have to give uh, answers and we have to stand up for our hope. We have to be able to tell somebody, I have no fear because, uh, because, because I'm Catholic, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Or because I go to church on Sunday. Yeah, okay. No, I have no fear because, okay, let's see why. What, what is the, the content of the, the, the good news? First, because the good news is the answer to the bad news, right? So uh, the good news must answer certain fears that humanity has. What are the main fears that humanity has? The main fears of humanity are death. Then another main fear is not being loved. Another main fear is being alone, being abandoned. Right? Another main fear is suffering. And another main fear is, in the end, really in the end, in the end, uh, our own mistakes, our capacity of being bad, right? (laughs) These are the main fears. And actually, Christ answers to each one of these five, right? And, And whenever you meet people, in the end, their problems will touch one of these five. And you as a Christian have 
a real answer to that. That's why it's good news. Otherwise, it would be nice news, but not necessarily good news. So first one, let's uh, quickly touch that. So um, death, death has not the last word anymore, full stop. Resurrection is very clear. He wanted to raise with, with his own body. He wanted to die in his own body and show us his own body with the wounds so that we know, okay, death has not the last word anymore. There is an eternal life. So we don't have to fear. We don't have to look for everything already now here in this life. First good news. Second good news, um, forgiveness exists. That means your sins are waiting to be forgiven. And God has already promised it to us. He has preached it a thousand times. He has said to me, we'll forgive the sins and we'll be forgiven. It's just waiting for that. It's just waiting for dump our sins in front of the cross and saying, it's just too much. And Jesus says, may I assume them like a sponge into me and give you in exchange some of my divinity. Wow. Okay, if that's true, then that's really, like, really good news, right? Well, it is true, and it is really good news. Okay, second one. So first, eternal life. Second, forgiveness exists. Third one, um, we are loved. And Jesus says it again and again and again. No? The fear of not being loved. But Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Which is pretty big time, right? And he's shown it not just with nice words, but with serving, with healing, with accompanying, with teaching, with encouraging, and with suffering in our place, and within the end even giving his life. And he says, uh, there's no greater life love than if somebody gives his life for the one he loves. But he's actually given it for the ones that don't love him at all, right? So we are loved, my goodness, we are fully loved, okay? Eternal life, forgiveness exists, we are loved. There's a place in the universe where you are loved. There's a heart in the universe where you're loved. Fourth good news, suffering is not in vain anymore. Super important. Okay, it's a more complex theme that one could have <laughs> 20,000 uh, uh, conversations on that. But I will just give you one key. Suffering can become a place to encounter the Lord. Right? Because it, normally suffering is a place where you feel maybe for the first time or where you feel in a way helpless, where you feel that you can't run the show anymore and it's just too much. And that's where you either give up or you open both hands and say, okay, now the only thing that remains is my Lord, if that works. Right? And the people who have done that they've encountered him. And I very much recommend you to see suffering exclusively from that point of view, to see suffering as a place where you may encounter Jesus as you've, as you've not, as you can't encounter him when everything is fine, because when everything is fine, you're too busy with yourself and with everything that's fine, right? So when we're suffering many times, we kind of drop things and we say, okay, now my hands are free. Well, that's very good, okay? Little image that I give you with that, uh, instead of looking at the cross and seeing Jesus hanging on the cross, you take a ladder, you climb up from behind the cross, you look over Jesus' shoulder through the centuries and try to see how the cross has become a sign of hope uh, Okay, for millions of people. Okay, So suffering as a place of encounter. So eternal life, forgiveness exists. We are loved. There's a place in, in the universe where you are loved. Um, uh, suffering as an encounter with God. And the fifth one, the fear of being alone. I am with you 
until the end of times. That's the last word of the gospel precisely today at the Feast of the Ascension. Right? So the last, very last thing that Jesus says to them says, okay, guys, if you, like, if you just keep one word, okay, that's that one, okay. I am with you until the very end, full stop. Okay, got it, got it, can I, okay, fine, I'm off. Okay, so that, so that at least like like you know it's like when kids go to confession actually it's very funny uh, if they haven't been to confession in their whole life and they confess what has happened the last two days because that's what they remember right we're a bit like that maybe um, and and Jesus wanted to make sure that at least that is clear we're not alone which is his big message uh, which is the same thing he says to Moses and to Abraham and 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 to, and to the prophets when they say but what what shall I say. What should I say when I'm before Pharaoh? What should I do when I go into that country? And God never says, ah, okay, well, here, solution. First point, second point, third point. No, he says, I'm with you. How about that? Actually, if you think about it, uh, the, 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 the darkest place in the world, if God is next, standing right next to you, that's fine. I, I, can, like, I can live with it. Okay, good news. And we have to know that. We have to know this good news so that we can give answer to our hopes. Okay, so that we can say, well, there's a reason why we hope. Okay, let's continue. Just a few more ideas. So now he sends out the apostles to uh, teach all the nations, or rather, um, uh, yeah, teach them. And he says, don't, he doesn't say tell them, but teach them. And how do you teach them? By being a witness. It's a very nice phrase. I'm not sure who said it, but it's very good. He says, the world does not need um, uh, professors or teachers, it rather needs witnesses. And if a teacher is helpful, it's because he's a witness, not because he's a teacher. Okay, so that means a teacher who believes what he says. Okay. And how, how do we know that? Well, by living that. Like a father or a, like when parents tell their kids, well, don't fight, but, but, but they fight. Well, you know, what kind of teaching is that? So um, when a, a brother says to a sister, well, the, you always take the bigger part and then you do the same thing. Well, there's no point, right? So witnesses, being witnesses, and being witnesses of these five good news. That means being witness of eternal life, that's the way you handle life, being witness of forgiveness by forgiving, being witness of that love exists by being a person who loves, being witness that suffering is a place of encounter with God by precisely going towards the people who suffer so that they can encounter God through your tenderness and through your kindness, and being witness of we are not alone by being with people who are alone, right? So that's, that means being witnesses. Being witness in your age can also be, let's say, when you're between 20 and 30, for example, being witness can be fidelity to God, right? Fidelity to God, that means fidelity to prayer, to going to church. Also, and I would say especially if you don't feel like, because learning how to love means learning how to give out of fidelity and not because you feel like. And if you feel like, all the better. But if you don't feel like, you can still give because the other one still needs. Right? So fidelity, which is one of the beautiful ways of, of learning how to be a witness. Fidelity. Fidelity to your principles. Fidelity to your promises. Fidelity to your baptismal promises. Fidelity to God. Fidelity to your family. Being there. Okay. How to do that? Because that's not easy. Well, Jesus says, I am with you all the days. That means he is our strength. All right, so now after the ascension, then they go back to Jerusalem and, um, and they will be there with Mary in the place of the Last Supper and there they will be waiting for the strength, as Jesus says, that comes from heaven, which is the Holy Spirit. And I would very much like to invite you to, especially in moments when you need answers, 
to pray the rosary, very simply. And to, as you're praying the rosary, uh, be, so to say, a prolongation of the apostles praying with Mary, preparing for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Okay? When you pray the Holy Spirit, when you pray the rosary, basically you're telling all, to all heaven, I'm ready to receive the Holy Spirit. And that's what I hope for you, and that's what I recommend you uh, um, very much. And, and don't forget, uh, our, our new home is heaven. So let us not live in this world as if this was everything. Let us live as pilgrims on our way to heaven. Almighty God, I ask you to bless all these people that will hear um, these reflections and Lord, teach them to look up to heaven every now and then and not to forget that you're there thinking of them, loving them, forgiving them, waiting for them, having your eyes, uh, seeing them, having them written in your hands, in your hearts. May the Almighty God bless us and remain with us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.